0: The next step, apparently, for the local football team in letting everyone know who their first round draft pick is going to be is to buy a sign right next to that giant Iron City beer sign atop Mount Washington and paint out the words Malik Malik. Willis, good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into hockey and or baseball, I also offer up Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates where you found this. I hope you'll check those out as well. We're really, really getting up against it with the NFL draft. It's, of course, next Thursday. The first round is Steelers with the number 20 overall pick. And they'll be taking Malik Willis. I I, I don't know how else to read all of this. This is a team. This is a management group that's always put out all of the signals as to who they're going to select. And when you add up... The all of the pro day visits to all of the quarterbacks, the intensive focus on Willis in particular. Then add up the dinners and the personal touch that Tomlin showed in meeting with Willis's parents, and then add in all of the various statements that were made by Tomlin and Kevin Colbert and Art Rooney about mobile quarterbacks, and then add in that just yesterday they hired David Corley to be an assistant quarterbacks coach in a league that knows no such position. And he arrives, by the way, with no quarterbacks coach experience, but he comes from a college background. Hmm, what could you possibly need that individual for? And as if all of that isn't enough, later in the day yesterday, they pick up Miles Boykin, a wide receiver, who the Ravens had let go. Not an exciting acquisition, 33 catches since he was drafted three years ago. But it's addressing another position the same way we've seen the Steelers address you know, offensive line, defensive backfield, and pretty much everything else in large part so they don't feel the pressure, the self-applied pressure, to chase certain positions in the draft out of need. They hate doing that. That's why they went and they got Miles Jack. That's why they retained Akella Witherspoon. That's why they spent a zillion dollars on adding James Daniels, Mason Cole, and keeping Sakora on the offensive line because they didn't want to feel like they'd have to give up a first or maybe even a second round pick on those positions. Everything, everything, everything points in the same direction to quarterback and within that to Malik Willis. The question now, at least from what I see, is how are they going to pull this off? This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose when and how you'd prefer to do that studying, whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online. Maybe a flexible hybrid format would work best for you. Find out more about all of this at pointpark.edu. It's one thing to say that you want, Malik Willis. It's another to get it done when you've got the number 20 pick in the draft and you aren't and really shouldn't be inclined to move up to get him. There's a whole lot of trying to read what everyone else is going to do that's involved here. And I dare say that you can't be doing this without a viable plan B. In other words, Let's say the Panthers decide to take Willis. The Panthers are the one team that's probably the most in the Steelers way. I've been talking about them a lot for a few weeks now because they've been on the same trail the Steelers have. They went all the same pro days, set the same number of people, bringing in all the same quarterbacks onto the campus in Charlotte for interviews. They're the team. Now, they're looking from the signs that they've put out for a more mature, more... NFL immediately ready kind of quarterback, and that would probably be Kenny Pickett. And if you listen to Pickett's own words about expecting to be QB1 in the draft, that might be because he's been told that. The Panthers, of course, pick at number six overall. So you have between six and 20 if you're the Pittsburgh brass to hold your breath. And hope that that kid makes it through that minefield of at least two or three other teams that you wouldn't be surprised that they'd take a quarterback. The catch with Willis is that he's a project. There's not anybody that would dispute that. There's not anybody that would just throw him out there to start, you know, in the season opener. And that definitely includes the Steelers. So is it possible? Yeah. Is it probable? Eh, you know. But I still wouldn't move up. I still wouldn't move up. And honestly, I I still don't see enough evidence in this equation to suggest that the Steelers aren't forcing this issue. That worries me. I mean, when everybody on up to the owner of the franchise acknowledges that this is going to be Colbert's chance to put into place the franchise quarterback of the future, that can take on the feel of an edict. That can take on the implication that it's an instruction, like go get this done. And then it gets attached to Colbert's legacy and everything else. And if it isn't there. It isn't there. And if for whatever reason Willis isn't there or you don't feel all the way, and I'm talking about all the way in on this kid, don't force it. There are other good football players to be had and there will be other quarterbacks available in future years. But man, this is starting to feel like a moving train. When we come back, just one question. Welcome back, it's time for J1Q. And that's always brought to you on this program by our friends at Mike's Beer Bar, on Federal Street, directly. Across from PNC Park on the North Shore. Mike's is the premier destination in our city for craft beer. More than 500 craft beers available in total. 350 of those local. Today's J1Q comes from Dwayne Braxton, who asks, Numerous times, DK, you crucified the bad offensive line for not giving Ben Roethlisberger enough time to throw deep, and I agree. But how is the same bad offensive line you blamed for hurting Ben's performance supposed to miraculously make Matt Canada's offense look good? DK, I do not get it. Ben and Canada worked with the same bad offensive line. Dwayne is referring, in case anybody missed it yesterday, to my lead subject, And that being that Matt Canada is just awful and is not to be trusted. And Dwayne has a valid point, which, by the way, I did bring up in the course of that episode, albeit somewhat parenthetically, that he had to overcome a bad offensive line. The difference between the quarterback overcoming an offensive line and the coordinator overcoming one, though, are two very different things. The quarterback has really no choice. You know, he can complain a little bit. He can suggest some blocking schemes. He can say, hey, see that big dude over there? Don't let him kill me. But that's pretty much the extent of it. The coordinator, on the other hand, is expected, no, required to work in concert with the offensive line coaches to ensure that their schemes are on the same page that their schemes are a fit for the personnel at hand. And one of the many things that I heard from the inside that was critical of the Steelers' offense was that this wasn't happening. There was very little in the way of meaningful back and forth, or at least productive back and forth, between. Matt Canada and Adrian Clem. That alone, to me, Dwayne, was pretty damn dispiriting because the coordinator has to take charge of that in order for there to be, well, I mean, anything. You know, the offensive line coach is there to relay instructions, not to draw up schemes. The O-line guy looks at technique. He looks at execution, but it's the coordinator that's putting in where it is they're supposed to go, and when and how. Now, I can go back and play for you daily shots of Steelers from last summer. I'm talking about before training camp, in which I warned that it would be a terrible idea to enter camp, much less a regular season, with all these children on the offensive line And at the same time, have the coordinator put in all kinds of complex moving parts. Guess what ended up happening? Yeah, that wasn't on Adrian Clem. That was on Matt Canada. He knew he had a line that had baby faces from left to right. And he still went with all of this movement and pulling and everything else. And then... About two or three weeks into the process, and we heard Mike Tomlin talk about this at the time, they had to kind of simplify things. Well, sorry, but by then, the bad offensive line horse had left the barn. So yeah, Dwayne, you have a point in bringing this up, and I could have mentioned all this yesterday and made the episode a whole lot longer. But as it is, yeah, I'm I'm glad you asked, because now I have a chance to come at it a little bit more. Uh, This coordinator leaves so much to be desired on so many fronts that I I don't even know where to start. Yes, he had an inexperienced offensive line. But guess what he won't have in 2022? Right, exactly that. So the excuses that might be amassed for Matt Canada are just going to keep dwindling until... He either figures it out or he just gets further exposed. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. We'll do another one of these tomorrow.